You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Today's episode is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Happy Monday to you. I want to fit two positional primers into today's podcast, both wide receiver and interior offensive line. I want to double dip today because we're running out of time before the 2021 NFL Draft and my goal was to deliver a primer on each of the positions that I think are really in play for the Bills at pick 30 and are important positions for them to be considering in this draft in general. So we're going to do wide receiver and interior offensive line like we did for cornerback and defensive end. We're going to talk about the need, the targets. We're going to look at history and talk about hit rate in the bottom 25% of the first round when it comes to both wide receiver and interior offensive line today. And then, of course, what I think the Bills should do at each position in the 2021 NFL Draft. So let's start with wide receiver. The need? Well, there's no immediate need. You look at this Bills wide receiver core, and you got to feel really good about Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and some of the exciting depth they have in Isaiah Hodgins and Jay Kumaro. Some people might like Duke Williams. There are options. There is no pressing, immediate, gotta-have-it player to add to this receiver core to be a top-four option this year. The Bills are pretty well set. However, beyond this year, there are some questions. This is a 10-personnel, 11-personnel heavy offense. Three and four wide receivers on the field almost all the time. And to me, it's really important that the Bills keep the ingredients in place that made Josh Allen successful in 2020 all the time, which means four good wide receivers. Some teams need and place value on having two good running backs or two good tight ends. For the Bills, it's four good wide receivers. It's a very unique offense. It is fueled by Josh Allen throwing to wide receivers. In 2020, the Bills wide receivers had 433 more yards than any other team in the NFL. I repeat, in 2020, the Buffalo Bills wide receivers had 433 more receiving yards than any other team in the NFL. This is a wide receiver-centric offense. It's critical. It's the engine. And you look beyond this year, And you have to look at Emmanuel Sanders as kind of a one-year guy. 34 years old, he signed a one-year deal. I'm not sure how he factors in beyond this season. Cole Beasley, 32 years old right now, and his contract is up after 2022. To me, the Bills should be very much thinking about getting ahead of the need. Address it now. Keep the cupboard full of wide receivers and make those transitions seamless. So when Emmanuel Sanders has a productive year and catches, you know, 60 balls, 800 yards, seven touchdowns, you're not wondering who's going to step up and replace that. 
because you took care of that this year and got the guy. So keep the cupboard full. Who are the targets? Well, the best wide receivers in this year's draft class are Jamar Chase from LSU, Jalen Waddell from Alabama, Devonta Smith from Alabama. Don't think any of those guys are in play for the Bills. Those are probably all off the board by pick 12, 13, 14, 15. Certainly in the top half of the first round, all those guys are gone. So who could be there at 30? A player I've talked about a lot, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. I think the Bills are going to love this guy. To me, he's very much like Emmanuel Sanders. Really good route runner, really good hands, wins in the intermediate areas of the field, plays big, good ball skills, really fast. You know, I think that's the prototype for what the Bills value in wide receivers. So Elijah Moore is certainly a guy that I think really fits what they're going to like at receiver and potentially is an option at pick 30. Kadarius Toney from Florida. Talked about him quite a bit so far on this podcast. If you go back to even, you know, I was talking prospects a little bit during the season. I think Kadarius Toney in a lot of ways really fits so much of what Brian Dable likes to do. Think about the Isaiah McKenzie role and, you know, getting him involved horizontally on the jet sweeps. Also, he's really good after the catch. He showed a more vertical dynamic to his game this past year, became more of a complete route runner, and he's an ultra-competitive guy. Oh, by the way, he's got a big-time arm. He was a high school quarterback, and reports are that he can throw the football 70 yards. I mean, he might have had the best arm on the Florida team last year. So kind of a do-everything type receiver that can be an X-factor for the offense. Two other players that I want to mention as potential options at pick 30, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota, Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. Both of those guys bring a size dynamic to the table that you really don't get from an Elijah Moore or even a Kadarius Toney. Guys that um, are more physical type players that can win not just with technique but because they uh, can outmuscle you a little bit. They're guys that I think are both good after the catch, can win vertically down the field, and project as boundary-type receivers that can play wide on the line of scrimmage, can beat press coverage, and give the Bills the route running and consistency at the catch point that they value. So those are two other guys that I like at pick 30. On day two, one of my favorite prospects in the draft, I think he'd be a slam-dunk pick in the second round for the Bills, is Diami Brown from North Carolina. My comp for him is Mike Wallace, where you see a guy that knows how to win down the field, fearless over the middle, good route runner, good at the catch point, has some inconsistency in terms of variance with his hands, but I think you know that's some of the give and take that you get with a Diami Brown. But in terms of that vertical receiving skill set, guys that are worked the middle of the field, I think the Bills will really like Diami Brown, and I think he would fit well with Josh Allen and where he likes to throw the football. Armin Ross St. Brown from USC. I think he just does everything at a at a an above average level. He's physical, competitive, good after the catch, physical, good route runner, good hands, good ball skills. Not super explosive, but if they wanted that consistency guy, guy that gets open, catches the football, is always where he's supposed to be. I like Armin Ross St. Brown. Amari Rogers from Clemson. He's built like a running back, but he's a good slot receiver. And I think he can help the Bills in the return game, which is definitely an added bonus. But 
I like his yards after catch. You know, he's a guy that you give him an option route, he'll get open, he'll catch the football, and then he has a little something to him in terms of, you know, breaking tackles and being really competitive with the ball in his in his hands. And he's like I said, he's built like a running back, so he's got that low center of gravity. And I really like what he brings to the table. He showed more of a vertical component this past year for Clemson. And he was at the uh, House of Athlete Combine that I went to in South Florida a couple weeks ago. And he really caught my eye in terms of route running and just very natural catching the football. And then one other guy is Rondell Moore from Purdue. If he was there at pick 61 when the Bills pick, I'd have to think really hard about it because... I know he's been injured, but if you go back to 2018, this guy was really special with the ball in his hands, and you know he he made the Big Ten look silly trying to cover him and tackle him. And what I would like about a guy like Rondell Moore is that he brings yards after catch to this offense, and yards after catch is is something that's missing. The Bills have not been a very productive yards after catch team. And Rondell Moore is asinine with what he's able to do with the ball in his hands, the situations he can escape from, how he makes people miss, you know, in the open field. And, you know, I think he's just tapping his potential in terms of, you know, route running and and winning down the field. But I think from day one, he can give the Bills an option in those shallow areas of the field and present a nightmare to defenses in terms of having to tackle this guy. So those are some of my favorite day two options. When you go to day three, I'll work through these guys quickly. I have five names for you. Shy Smith from South Carolina. Take everything I said about Elijah Moore, and he's the discount version of him that you can get on day three. Uh, Cornell Powell from Clemson. I think the Bills will like him a lot. Fifth-year guy at Clemson. Um, Very little production before this past season, but As a senior, he really showed what he can do. He got more opportunity. He's been good on special teams for multiple years. I think as a a depth receiver now and potentially a guy that can groom into that number four spot, I like him. Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa. I've talked about him a good bit on this podcast. Vertical route runner. He's really good. Speed down the field. uh, Gets behind the secondary. A very good punt returner. Comes from that Iowa program. Very competitive. Kay Johnson from South Dakota State's another guy that I like. Um, I think he has the ability to play in the slot. He's a he's a developing route runner. I think he needs to become a little bit more deceptive, but very natural catching the football, good ball skills, good good after the catch. I think he'd be a nice fit for the Bills to uh, pick and, and develop into potentially Cole Beasley's replacement. And then if they wanted to take a swing on, on some speed, Anthony Schwartz from Auburn. I mean, he's got to develop – more technique as a wide receiver in terms of route running, how to beat press coverage, how to position his frame, you know, how to stack corners. Like he's, he needs a lot of work, but he runs in the four twos. And there were times when you watch him on tape at Auburn where, you know, their quarterback's terrible. Bo Nix, awful quarterback. But this guy just people couldn't run with him. And he can get behind the secondary. And I think as a late round guy that can take the top off the defense, certainly brings some appeal to me. So those are some of my favorite options, you know, day one, day two, day three for the Bills guys. I think they'll like guys that I like as prospects. So like we did for defensive end and cornerback, I want to look at the bottom 25% of the first round and see what type of hit rate is out there. As we learned from cornerback, the hit rate is off the charts. It's a very successful area of the draft to pick a cornerback historically. At defensive end, it's awful. There's almost nothing to show for teams that pick the defensive end in the bottom 25% of the first round. 
So how does wide receiver stack up? Again, bottom 25% of the first round, which is picks 25 to 32, and the sample size is 2009 to 2018. That gives us a 10-year sample size, and it gives all of the players that we look at at least three years to really define themselves as NFL players. So that's why we start at 2009 and we end at 2018. So let's work our way back. 2018, number 26, Calvin Ridley, Atlanta Falcons. That's working out really well. That's definitely a hit. In 2015, number 26, Brashad Perriman to the Ravens. That's a bust, not a good pick. In 2015, number 29, Philip Dorsett to the Colts. That didn't work out. In 2014, number 28, Kelvin Benjamin to the Panthers. I mean, the guy had a couple good seasons, but I I don't think he lived up to the expectations of being a first-round pick, so I'll say that was a miss. In 2013, number 27, DeAndre Hopkins to the Texans. Great pick, right? Elite, as good as you can do. In 2013, pick number 29, Cordero Patterson to the Vikings. I'm calling this a hit. Maybe he's never become an elite receiver, but he's been an okay receiver that has been an X factor for teams, whether that's you know running the football or in the return game. I mean, he's, he's a dangerous player. I'm going to call that a hit. 2012, number 30, A.J. Jenkins to the 49ers, bust. 2011, number 26, Jonathan Baldwin to the Chiefs, bust. 2009, number 29 to the Giants, Hakeem Nix. That was a hit. That was an okay pick. That was reasonable. And lastly, in 2009, number 30, Kenny Britt to the Titans. That was okay. It's not a definite bust, but I, I think there's a case to be made that he didn't quite meet expectations. He had some some off-the-field issues, but he was, he's was he been an okay player. But So look, at the end of the day, I mean, you got some big-time hits in Calvin Ridley and DeAndre Hopkins, but for the most part, this hasn't been what I would call a sweet spot for teams to pick wide receivers. So if you're looking for something to move off the idea of wide receiver at 30, it's that for the most part, I think the results have been underwhelming when you look at the historical hit rate of wide receivers picked in the bottom 25% of the first round. So what should the Bills do? What should they do in the NFL draft at wide receiver? I think it's important for the Bills at some point to get a wide receiver in this draft. If you love someone at 30, pull the trigger, get your guy. But at some point, you need to find a guy that you believe can develop into a top three or four option in the passing game for your offense. So maybe there's some value you like on the third day of the draft that has developmental upside that you could see them claiming a role and you know developing into a top three, four wide receiver. But if you have convictions about a guy in the first, second, or third round, don't hesitate because I think on the surface, it doesn't scream big time need, but it can very quickly become a need, not only because of the contract status of Emmanuel Sanders, and Cole Beasley, but it's such an important part of what you do as a team that you want to be able to sustain an injury and not miss a beat on offense. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today 
ring sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high-quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, MLB, and NHL seasons are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, and they have real time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk interior offensive line. What's the need? Well, Mitch Morse was potentially a cap casualty. He restructured his deal, but the Bills have the opportunity to get out of his contract after this season. John Feliciano is back on a three-year contract, but the way it was structured makes it more of a year-to-year type situation. I'd be willing to bet that between Morse and Feliciano, One of them is not on the team in 2022. Then you look at Cody Ford over at left guard, and has that guy proven anything? Has he proven anything? In two years, I know he was a high pick. It sounds like Brandon Bean loves him. I'm optimistic that he can be a good player for the Bills. But at this point, he has not proven anything. He's been injured, was not great at right tackle, played a few games at left guard this past year before he got hurt. So I just don't know that I feel overly comfortable with him at left guard right now. So you have a short-term question mark in in Cody Ford, and you have long-term issues because I think there's a good chance that either Morse or Feliciano is not back in 2022. So who are the targets? Who do I like? Well, my favorite interior offensive lineman this year is Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. I think he'll be long gone by pick 30. So who do I think could be in play? There's two centers that I think can play guard. There's no question in my mind. These are not center-only players. These are guys that can play both guard and center. Landon Dickerson from Alabama and Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. I think the Bills are going to like both of these players. Dickerson plays with a hot motor. He's a mauler. He's been a tackle before, so he brings some some of that pass-blocking pedigree from playing out on an island on the inside. He's a big center. Brings a lot of personality and juice to the game. I think the Bills will like him, and they'll love Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. guy that has worked with a lot of different quarterbacks, a lot of different people around him, and has been the leader up front for that team. And he's a former wrestler. He screams Buffalo Bill to me in a lot of ways. Now, I don't know if 30 is going to be the sweet spot to pick them, I'm not sure it's going to be good value. It's not necessarily a a premium position, but I think those guys could be in play for the Bills at 30 because I really think they're going to like them. 
On day two, I've got four names for you. Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. I don't think 2020 was nearly as good as 2019, but the player I saw in 2019 I thought was a first-rounder. Kendrick Green from Illinois. I talked about him last week. Bills are going to love this guy. Came to Illinois to play defensive line, converted over to the offensive line, has experience at center and guard, got better every year, was dominant in 2020. The dude's pretty nasty, too, as a blocker. Pretty aggressive guy. Super athletic, but he also gives you some power, position flexibility. A former wrestler, and he had good tape in 2020. Really enjoyed watching him. If the Bills want to go more zone, which based on the way the numbers trended from 2019 to 2020, they do want to go more zone, Kendrick Green would be a great pick. Josh Myers from Ohio State, versatile player, can play guard and center, could be a year two starter. And Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. He played right tackle for Michigan. And I thought in the couple games he played this year, you saw him really take a step. Nice tools to work with. Didn't test nearly like I thought he would, but pretty comfortable with what I saw on tape. And he's a pretty nasty blocker. So maybe a third round, if the Bills want to take a swing on a guy, Jalen Mayfield may fit what they like. On day three, I've got a few names for you. I'll work through them quickly. Robert Hainsey from Notre Dame, kind of an undersized tackle, could give them a guy that has good mobility at guard and, and give them some, you know, if they want to go zone and, and give them that lateral quickness, he can do it. Drew Dahlman from Stanford, very similar to Hainsey. Ben Cleveland from George is a guy that I like. Um, more of a gap power blocker, but I think he's got enough mobility and length to be an option for the Bills. Sedarius Hutcherson from South Carolina. Converted tackle, kicked inside to guard. I thought he played a lot better at guard. Um, he's nasty. He has a lot of power. I like him in space, and uh, I, I think he has a lateral mobility and power to be schemed versatile. And then David Moore from Grambling. I think he's got to drop a little weight, but I love his power in his hands. I love his competitive spirit and how he works to get his body in position. He played a little bit of center at the Senior Bowl, which I think was good for him. So you're talking, you know, mid-day three developmental interior offensive lineman. David Moore is a guy that I like. So let's let's look at it. What's the success rate? What does it look like for teams that have picked an interior offensive lineman in the bottom 25% of the first round? Again, picks 25 to 32. Our sample size is 2009 to 2018. We'll start off with a low note. We have to go back to 2016 to find the last example of this. 28 overall, 49ers picked Josh Garnett, did not work out. That was a bust. However, the rest of this list looks really good. 2016, number 28, Lincoln Tomlinson to the Lions. He's been a starter since he's been in the league. 2013, number 31, Travis Frederick to the Cowboys. That dude, for a stretch, was the best center in the game. He retired early, but he was elite for the Dallas Cowboys. 2012, number 27, Kevin Zeitler to the Bengals. Dude's a stud. He's been a stud for a long time, and he still is. 2009, number 28, Buffalo Bills picked Eric Wood. So we only have five picks to look at, but four of them were hits. And three of them, and Frederick, Zeitler, and Wood were big-time hits. So this is a pretty good spot, historically, 
to pick an interior offensive line. So what should the Bills do? We talked about the starters, Ford, Morris, and Feliciano. Could be some short and long-term questions there. Also, how do the Bills perceive their depth? I mean, they have names, Ike Bakker, Ryan Bates, Jamil Douglas, Forrest Lamp, Jordan Devy. A lot of experience there, a lot of versatility. Also, a lot of one-year deals. So what's the long-term plan here on the interior offensive line when it comes to starters and developmental depth? I think it's fair to say there's questions. So here's what I'll say about what they should do in the draft. If a guy you love is available, when the value is appropriate, pull the trigger. This is a little bit tricky because interior offensive line is not a premium position and teams generally find answers in the middle rounds. You don't really always have to pick guys super high in the draft to find an answer. And I think the Bills are always going to have, you know, above average money tied into the center. The first thing, the first extension Brandon Bean handed out when he became general manager was Eric Wood, paid him. And then you go back to their time at Carolina, and they had Ryan Khalil there at center for a long time, and he was a good player for them. I think the Bills really value center. Then Brandon Bean made Mitch Morse the highest paid center in NFL history. They value center. I think they're always going to have money tied up into it. So whether that's Morse or that's Feliciano, I don't know who their center is going to be after this year. This year it's going to be Morse. But in 2022, I'm not sure. But that still leaves questions at guard. So it's tough to get a a perfect read on just exactly how the Bills perceive themselves at interior offensive line. But as we've established here, it's fair to say there are questions. Need to tell you guys about Built Bar, best tasting protein bar on the planet. So many amazing flavors. I love the cherry, the lemon almond cheesecake, the cookies and cream is elite. They're all delicious. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. It's like eating a candy bar, but they're good for you. Built Bar is great for anyone who is health conscious. Whether you want to lose weight, maintain weight, or just indulge in a delicious treat, you have to try Built Bars. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and perfect for anyone on the keto diet. I've got a deal for you. If you want to try Built Bars, go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. The last segment today is going to be very quick. I didn't want to break up the wide receiver or the interior offensive line discussion, so uh, those were longer chunks here, but we'll close out really quick here with a couple of newsy items. First, Trey Adams retired. (laughs) The Bills practice squad offensive lineman. Some people were pretty high on him as potentially a steal as an undrafted free agent. I was not one of those people, Um, but you go back to this guy at Washington, and at one point he was viewed as a potential first-rounder, but the injuries just were too much and never looked the same. He tested poorly, didn't get drafted, spent a year on the Bills practice squad, and now his football career is over. So to me, I never expected anything out of Trey Adams, and so this doesn't really cause any panic for me or raise any questions, but it's worth noting 
And I guess for anyone who thought he could, you know, wind up being the swing tackle this year, uh, that will not be the case. Also, we learned about the jersey numbers for the newly acquired Buffalo Bills players, and then also some players already on the roster changed their number. So let's quickly work through this. Matt Hawk, the punter, he's going to wear jersey number three. Hopefully we don't see him very much except for holding on extra points. Number eight will be quarterback Mitchell Trubisky, another guy we only hope seeing, you know, playing catch on the sideline with Josh Allen uh, when he's warming up. Number 10 is wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. That'll be an important one. Brandon Powell is going to wear number 18. Matt Breida, number 22. That's dangerous, brother. Fred Jackson wore 22. You got, got a lot to live up to there. Tyrell Adams is number 50. Markel Lee is number 52. Bobby Hart, number 68. Uh, Jamil Douglas, number 77. And Jacob Hollister is number 80. F.A. Obata, number 93. So those are the new players. Those are their numbers. And then the returning veterans that made a number switch. Jake Fromm with Emmanuel Sanders claiming number 10. He goes to number 4. Jake Kumaro switched from 87 to 15. That's quite the switch there. My guy wanted a, a number in the teens, it appears. Antonio Williams going from 35 to 28. That's a good move. 35 is not a great running back number. Jordan Devy goes from 68 to 64. Cody Ford from 70 to 74. So I don't know if he just felt unworthy of wearing Eric Wood's number, but uh, he is now 74. Tight end Reggie Gilliam, tight end fullback, whatever you want to call him, goes from 86 to 81. And Brandon Bryant, the defensive tackle, goes from 74 to 90. All right, so tomorrow's podcast is a good one. It's me, it's Bruce Nolan, and we are going to get into a nerdy conversation about draft philosophy and kind of bring some of the talking points that I've had, some of the talking points that he's had on his podcast, and really get into it together. And while it's a philosophical conversation, we're going to bring it to a head and apply it to the Bills and some of our ideas for them in the coming draft. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Rate, review, and share the podcast, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.